Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Tuesday, four weeks out from Town Meeting Day. And uh, joining us now, we're pleased to have State Representative Mike McCarthy. He is a former assistant leader in the Democratic Party in the legislature and now is the chair of GovOps. Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for stopping in Thanks on your way to Montpelier. We appreciate it. Uh, so a lot of issues to talk about that are percolating in the Capitol under the Golden Dome. But let's start with you are also vice chair of the impeachment committee with Martin Lalonde, right? That's right. Yeah. So what happened? I know that you have recently, we saw this, we talked about the story last week that you've recently uh, let legislators know basically that it does not look like uh, the impeachment inquiry will go forward, although you still have one meeting left, right? So uh, we will definitely have more meetings. Um, one big thing we're waiting on is the official report back from the attorneys at DRM that we hired to investigate some of the financial issues. Some of the documents they uncovered uh, that we made public on December 11th were pretty concerning. And uh, one of the big issues that we have, though, is that to date, the big items that we're concerned with, you know, the payment of money uh, that Grismore made to himself uh, that should have gone to the retirement fund, uh, overtime that's really questionable the way that that was calculated, and of course, you know, the the uh, kicking of the de- detainee that got him uh, a professional misconduct uh, that led to his decertification by the Vermont Criminal Justice Council. Those things occurred prior to him taking the oath of office. And impeachment is really about what you the activity of a person when they're in office after they've taken the oath. And um, so we're continuing to look at some of these things. Um, but if unless we find uh, things that are things that happened between last February when he took the oath of office and now, um, that's what we're really saying would make it hard for us to advance articles of impeachment and, and be successful the way the Constitution and uh, court cases about impeachment from other states have really led us to the conclusion that it's uh, based on what we have right now. Uh, we're not going to move things forward, but we're not going to wrap up the the work just yet. Um, there's a, a few towns that have brought to attention some things that they'd like to come in and testify on. So I think that we still have some work to do. Uh, but at the moment, our focus, uh, Representative Lalonde and I went before the Senate Democratic Caucus. I got to say, it's pretty unusual as a House member to have the Senate invite you into one of their meetings. And uh, we talked to them about PR1, which is a constitutional amendment that would allow us actually to, to resolve some of these issues with county officials without the need for an impeachment. So it would give the General Assembly the ability to say, hey, if, if you're a state's attorney and you get disbarred, then you know, you're going to be suspended or removed from office, set some qualifications for those office that are, uh, you know, objective and reasonable. And they would be removed by the legislature, like a vote of the body? Well, see, it would set qualifications. So what we would do is actually put in statute. What are the qualifications that you need to hold this office? Right now, the Constitution doesn't allow us to do that. And the sh- that's all, that was also applied to sheriffs, is that right? Yeah, so it's all the, the county offices. So you're talking about your side judges, probate judge, state's attorney, and sheriff. Now, the article in VT Digger about that the other day said that the Sheriff's Association has been pushing back on that. And it looks like the legislation, not that it's not going to happen, but it's been sort of moved back into a committee that there's some concerns that the Sheriff's Association has raised that senators maybe are a little concerned about. Yeah, that's right. So um, Senate Government Operations has been working on this um, and took a lot of testimony during our consideration of S-17 last year, which 
um, became Act 30. So this was all the things that we could do in the Constitution to, you know, have audit provisions. And we set up a director of operations for sheriffs. So we had this bill, Act 30, last year that I think has taken all the steps we could. But whenever we wanted to run up against, hey, if somebody gets convicted of a crime, couldn't we suspend them pending the outcome of the investigation? And the attorneys that work for us, legislative counsel, were like, nope, can't do that. Qualifications uh, aren't allowed under the current constitutional framework. So PR1, this constitutional amendment, is kind of the next step in that. Um, so some of the senators had some questions. I think it was good to take a step back. You know, uh, changing the Constitution requires two separate general assemblies and then a vote of the public. So we've got a little bit of time. Uh, So the Senate decided to send that over to their Judiciary Committee, take some more testimony and just make sure that the questions that they had uh, could be answered because they've they've got to have a two thirds majority. Now, I want to just to go back to the the Sheriff Grismore situation for a minute, too. why this is what we talked about on the show and I, and I know people have brought this up and and wondered about this and I add myself to this which is if and Martin Lalon was on the show recently a couple of weeks ago and he said the same thing that basically that you have told now to the Democratic caucus and has made been made public to legislators that you really can't uh, impeach somebody by acts that they did before they were elected so why would you not have found that out from legislative council couldn't that have been found out like Right off the bat, like if you're you're looking into this and said, "Hey, you know, we've got obviously a lot of attorneys there," and said, "Is this something we could do?" Couldn't you have gotten that legislative advice like right from the get go? Yeah, we uh, were. I think a lot of people have had the misconception that the only thing we were looking at was. But that was the big one, though, right? Uh, yeah, but it, but recall that months before we actually even decided to have a special committee on impeachment inquiry. Uh, there was an investigation into financial issues at the office as well. And so we were left with the situation where we had a sheriff who was not only under investigation and going through the criminal proceeding around a simple assault charge, had a professional misconduct complaint against him, but also we had no idea as legislators at the time what had led to these financial issues. So there was a real concern that I had, and I and I think it was shared by many people in the legislature, that um, we could potentially have a sheriff that was using the office to enrich himself instead of, you know, serving the interests of justice and public safety. We just didn't know. So we decided to do our own investigation because we didn't have access to the information. But on those, wouldn't you just let this, this, that play out in the court system? Wouldn't you just let that play out those financial questions? Well, what was interesting was um, that we, you know, had this preponderance of concern from the public and they were calling on us to look into this as a legislature and knowing that impeachment, you know, is a complex thing to actually bring forward with articles of impeachment and supermajority votes. Uh, we wanted to find out for ourselves what the facts were. And now we've revealed a lot of things that should have the public pretty darn concerned. We're talking to uh, state representative Mike McCarthy from St. Albans. He's the chair of government ops, former assistant majority leader in the in the house and the McKenzie Country Classic Hotlines open if you have a question for him triple eight four one four oh three oh three. Um no I uh initially I, my concern is um you know you have a duly elected official and with all that stuff that comes out before the election it, it seems kind of cut and dry. It's like well before the election and he was duly elected, okay. Uh but to come back to this PR one thing because right now a lot of people are calling um, not so much about sheriffs, but I, I think because a lot of people don't operate how don't even understand how 
sheriff's offices operate. I don't think most people even understand the structure of county government in Vermont. Because when you watch TV or you hear about all these other states, what happens on a county level in most states happens on a state level here because we're so small. Or on a municipal level. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, so the county doesn't it doesn't come up very often, except right now it's a hot topic in a variety of counties when it comes to state's attorneys. I mean, whether it's the state's attorney in Franklin County, Chittenden County, or now Addison County, the question always comes. And a part of it is because when Lee Zeldin ran for governor of New York, he was saying, the first thing I'm going to do is toss out these district attorneys. But there's no mechanism at all for any county official in Vermont. Not, yeah. So that's that's where I'm coming back to this. And, then, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, so many of my constituents have said, well, who's in charge of the sheriff? And it's like, well, the voters elect them. Right. And they're like, yeah, but what happens if they mess up or do something wrong? And if, if, if that, these sheriffs over the years that have had these problems, you know, you look at Addison County, Brattle, you know, down in Brattleboro, that, you know, in Wyndham County a few years ago with Sheila Prue case, like this has happened again and again and again. And people are like, well, who holds them accountable? And it's like, unless they resign or the legislature goes through this whole long, arduous process of impeachment. There's no way to remove them from office until the next election. And because sheriffs are one of the rare instances with a four-year term, these well, county offices have a four-year term. Right. That's a long time if somebody near the beginning of their term does something that's questionable about whether they're fit for that office. So um, one thing I wanted to mention, Kurt had brought up that the Sheriff's Association isn't in favor of PR1, and that's true. Um, but the state's attorneys are. So there's actually a split between uh, those two county officials and the associations that represent them. I think you're going to find that they're they're in favor of it right now until it comes down to a vote. Uh, because they, they want to have qualifications, but by the time it gets to voting, they're going to have, they'll have extracted that ability for the General Assembly to remove them. I will almost guarantee that. But clearly the sheriffs have brought up some issues that have the senators, as you mentioned, that they're going to go back and take another look at it. They brought up some concerns that have that have at least caught their attention. Yeah, and when I when I, I have a great relationship with the Vermont Sheriffs Association, our work together on Act Thirty, you know, I feel like we're we feel like there's some mutual respect, even though we have a disagreement about this constitutional amendment. And um, one of the things that I've really found in their concerns, they're concerned about what the actual qualifications would be. And so I think their debate should really come when a future General Assembly is debating what qualifications to set, not whether or not we should set some qualifications now. So it's really not. A, I think their concerns aren't about PR1. They're about the future debate that we should have. But we can't even really have that debate until PR1 is part of the Constitution. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, good morning. Why do you guys always insist on reinventing the wheel? I mean, the whole intent here is to... to get an elected official thrown out of office. And it's been quoted time and time again that Florida has a, a, a law that says the governor can do this. And the governor is the only one who should be able to do it because he's responsible to answer to the entire state, not somebody who doesn't even live in my district. I mean, this is ridiculous. You guys, it's a part-time legislature. Quit wasting your time on stuff like this, reinventing the wheels, and get to work and get out of there because we can't afford you anymore. I'd rather deal with too many problems caused by not enough government than problems caused by too much government. Thank you. Well, Mike, that, that, well, let's, let Mike respond. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I appreciate that sentiment. Um, the, the framers of the Vermont Constitution saw fit to make the legislature uh, the place where uh, officials that had maladministrated or weren't fit to serve uh, would be held accountable. Uh, so, you know, we're right now, the impeachment committee is, you know, just using the power that was granted by the state constitution um, to look into these Totally situations. understand that that's the way it is now. But what about what the caller said, uh, that some states, the governor does have the capacity to fire a state's attorney if they doesn't like DeSantis did in Florida and there was talk of one in New York. Do you think the governor should have that authority? I mean, you're, you're pursuing a charter, a constitutional amendment now on another issue. Uh, do you think that should be pursued as it as that the governor can do that? Well, I think that we want to be really careful. Like as much as I think that it was reasonable for us to do this impeachment investigation, uh, I've said from the beginning, I think I said on the show the last time I was here that there's a reason that there's a high bar to throw out an elected official. I mean, we take yeah. elections seriously. We respect voters. And um, I think that if we were going to have the governor be in charge of this, then what we should really do is say maybe sheriffs shouldn't be elected anymore and they should just be part of the Department of Public Safety. I think that's actually a really worthy debate for us to have. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but, well. but that's not where we're at right now, and I know that's not what Vermonters want today. <laughs> we'll get right to you, caller. I just want to, in terms of qualifications and those changes, one of the things, though, that jumped out of the sheriffs was, like, in one of the sheriffs, I can't remember which one it was right now, but as they were on their way out the door, they raised up everybody's pay, spent a bunch of money giving, remember that one? Oh, yeah. A bunch mm-hmm. of great big raises. Uh, which I was like, wait, how can somebody do that on their way out the door? Spend, grant everybody huge. Sometimes it was thirty percent increases. Yeah, that so, one was a, that, that was a little troubling. I thought. Yeah, some of the work that we did in Act Thirty uh, that passed last uh, year uh, that actually will make it much harder for a sheriff to to do that. Um, on their way out the door. So we put some audit mechanisms in place uh, and some accountability mechanisms in place. We had a working group uh, put together a model finance and benefits policy that all the sheriffs will have to adopt statewide this year. So I think we're heading toward a place where there are a little bit more uh, consistent financial practices that will be required for sheriff's offices in the future. And those are things that we've already uh, set the wheels in motion, at least, and will be adopted this year. Uh, Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, One thing I can tell you is, as far as uh, Sheriff Grismore being elected, a lot of older people that I've talked with, they had mail-in ballots, and they chose him through name recognition and having known the family before he got in trouble. And that's the problem, I think, with mail-in ballots, because something always happens before the election. And then a person will say, well, you know, I can't change my my vote now. And then there he is. He's in there, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Interesting concept. Uh, Mike, any response on that? Yeah, you know, I, I actually respect that sentiment a lot. But I actually think the, the issue with this particular election uh, that happened in 2022 was that Mr. Grismore was the only person on the ballot for the Franklin County Sheriff. And that didn't have to be that way. And one of the things that happened was because he was the only name back in August, which the week of the primary was when, you know, the kick heard around the world happened, right? So uh, he actually won just enough votes um, to get not only the Republican nomination, but also the Democratic nomination. And even though he was called on by both parties uh, to withdraw from the race, 
he decided, nope, I won these primaries. I'm just going to stick with it. And I think that if we had a mechanism that would make it so that uh, you couldn't sort of lock down multiple parties with a really tiny number of votes. Uh, we took this issue up last year and talked about it a bit, uh, but didn't end up making it to the finish line. And I think we'll pull it up again next year. But this issue of you know holding multiple party nominations and be able to block everybody out of the general election when you only got a tiny little fraction of the write-in votes. Kind of like the progressives doing in Burlington. They run both in the Democrat and the progressive. And if they win in the Democrat, but- then they knock them off the ballot. But that bill got stuffed last year, right? Yeah, it was part of a large package that I think had more controversial stuff in it, things that you know I supported, but you know we couldn't quite get across the finish line. And part of the thing that came down was uh, that brought that whole bill down was this idea that you know Vermonters really like these these fusion candidates is what we were hearing. I'm a person personally who thinks that we should be really uh, straight up front with the voters about who we are, which party we represent, and there are some people legitimately that kind of pull ideas from multiple parties. But I think if you're just getting a tiny little bit of write-in votes in order to lock up the other party's nomination, even when that party's local or county committee says, you don't represent us, you don't represent our values, I don't really think that that's a great way for our primary system to work. And it was part of what led to John Grismore's name being the only one on the ballot for Franklin County Sheriff. So is that bill, is there a chance that bill might get resuscitated? I mean, it would, Lieutenant Governor Dave Zuckerman was one of the ones that came in and helped uh, put the torpedo in it, didn't he? Yeah, I think it's an idea about how our primaries work, um, that that piece of it is something that I'd like to pick up the conversation you know, in a future year. I don't, I don't think we're going to be doing election okay. changes in an election year. <laughs> I want to talk about some more issues as we head toward crossover in a few weeks as you head to town. But I want to give you a chance to respond to one thing. This was in a letter back last year that was actually sent to the committee to you and the chair, Martin Lalonde, from Grismore's attorney. Do you want the letter? Oh, no. I'm familiar, I think. You probably saw it. (laughs) I'm sure you saw it. But anyway, it was basically in it. He and his, through his attorney, uh, which is uh, Mr. Kaplan, right? Uh, Yeah. Kaplan and Kaplan. Robert Kaplan. Basically, they accused you of bullying, that you were trying to bully Mr. Sheriff Grismore and that there was a charge made that you wanted this you wanted to get him out of the race because he was a republican and you wanted to have a democrat on the ballot rather than the republican i want to give you a chance to respond to that so i think that people have a right to defend themselves um but i don't think there's a lot of credibility in the argument that this impeachment was partisan a couple of things so as i already said the Franklin County Democrats and the Franklin County Republicans, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. We were unanimous in trying to keep Mr. Grismore from running for office after the kick video came out. I mean, my opponent in the House race and I stood shoulder to shoulder saying, we think that Mr. Grismore shouldn't seek office. Then when the impeachment committee was set up, there was a unanimous vote in my committee, the House Government Operations Military Affairs Committee on H.R. 11. And then there was a unanimous vote, voice vote on the floor of the House to appoint the committee. So, and the committee has an independent and two Republicans and four Democrats. So it's pretty, you know, there's a diversity of opinion there. And we've all come to the conclusion that even though we have these areas of strong concern, we're not trying to advance a political impeachment here. So I just don't think there's a lot of credibility there. And, you know, Mr. Grismore is entitled to say what he wants about us. 
Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. What's your uh, plan B for trying to get rid of the sheriff now that the uh, impeachment failed? Not quite over, though, right? Yeah, so the, so what I would say is that uh, we're continuing to take some testimony. I've already had um, some people reach out about um, coming before the Special Committee on Impeachment Inquiry, um, some municipal officials that want to offer some testimony. So I, I wouldn't really say that there's like a plan B. Um, what I would say is that if, if I were in Sheriff Grismore's position and I was facing the fact that the voters elected me as a certified law enforcement officer and a unanimous vote of the criminal justice council had found that I, you know, could no longer carry a gun and do police activities. I would step down. I would step aside for the good of Franklin County. So really I think resignation would save, you know, to an earlier caller's point, if we're talking about, you know, this impeachment committee, which, you know, we're, we're mostly doing this in bonus time as legislators. Mike, we're almost out of time. Give me, if you give me a quick comment on this, I want to ask you about issues as we head toward crossover, but since you mentioned that, Ava Vakos, I'm sure you're following this, down in Addison County, state's attorney down there. I'm wondering about her capability of going forward with a job. She has a DUR charge against her now. She's also been in the press all over the place saying she doesn't trust the sheriffs. She won't be in a meeting with them. She doesn't feel safe with the sh- with sheriffs or, Any law, law enforcement. or law enforcement. And on top of it, she made some very disparaging remarks such as um, that I wanted to teach them grammar so they'd be in an elementary school level and suggested I had a book here that had dragons and pictures in it for them. I mean, we just had a law, a state trooper officer here that saved a little girl in a ponds, uh, saved her life. She's a hero. It's so insulting to law enforcement. Do you think she can continue in that role? You know, Kurt, I have enormous respect for people who choose to serve their communities as law enforcement officers, and it's really concerning some of the things that we've heard out of Addison County. I'm not as familiar with all the details of that case, but I really think that if any public official finds that they've lost the confidence of the public, they really need to think about whether they should continue to serve in that office. Um, And quickly, if you could tell us as we head toward crossover, anything big in your committee coming out or what are the, what are the must do bills that have to make crossover? Yeah. So, um, in my committee, we're, we're starting with the uh, State Ethics Commission's recommendations to expand the Ethics Commission. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that is troubling to me is that I think a lot of voters have lost confidence in whether the people that are serving them are serving the people or they're serving their own interests. Um, and so Ethics Commissions has some really reasonable recommendations about financial disclosure and expanding their authority a bit. Um, so we're taking that up. Uh, we've heard some really concerning issues. You know, we've got a lot of uh, contractors and um, nonprofit organizations. I think about you know the Vermont Food Bank, for instance, in H140. We're trying to make sure that if we, as a legislature, say we're going to grant money to these organizations and they do work on behalf of the people of Vermont, they shouldn't have to wait six, nine months to get paid. Uh, so that's another issue that we're taking a look at. Um, after crossover, we're going to have two really big bills come over to us. Uh, one, we're starting to work on some of these public safety issues around the future of EMS um, and that will kind of dovetail into some of the things that we learned, lessons learned from flood relief as it relates to municipal government and how it relates to the state. Um, And then a really big thing that we're going to be doing this year is the um, future of open meeting law in the age of hybrid. You know, we sort of extended the temporary COVID uh, era Zoom and remote uh, (laughs) meeting authority for a lot of uh, boards, commissions, you know, your select board, et cetera. 
And uh, S55 is going to be a really important bill about the future of uh, state and local democracy and how uh, how we get access. You know, what rules do you need to have around Zoom meetings and, and which boards and commissions need to be uh, in a physical location? All right. Thanks for being on the morning drive today. Hopefully we can get you back before the session's over. I'd be happy to come back. And anytime. I want this is kind of like um, uh, someone texted me a question for you. So just really quickly, who do you think is going to be the Democratic nominee for governor next, this year? Uh Moreau is thinking about running. Would you support Moreau Weinberger as a Democratic nominee against Phil Scott? Uh, you know, I uh, haven't made any endorsements yet, but I'll tell you, um, I want to make sure that we have somebody who can talk about how government needs to serve Vermonters better. I think right now, you know, with about one in 10 positions vacant in state government, uh, we're not doing things as well as we, we should be on the executive side. So I want a strong voice for Vermonters to say, hey, we've got some issues, whether it's healthcare, education, that we really need a strong state government that's going to be able to serve people well. Mike McCarthy, thanks for being on The Morning Drive. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with Fox News. Amanda's got the headlines. And then, of course, uh, we've got the Max Advantage 